Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast. I'm the host, Abby, for those of you who don't know me on Instagram or in real life. I'm a 23-year-old beauty blogger turned podcaster living in San Francisco. So I'm all about living your best, most authentic life and not giving an F whatever other people think. Like, you do you, boo. So this past year, I've been on a self-journey, just doing a lot more self-reflection and figuring out what I want in life. And a key part of that has been from having really raw, deep, and just authentic conversations with my girlfriends. After a few convos over cocktails, of course, I decided to share these vulnerable topics we were discussing because it's something every woman can relate to, and we just don't talk about them enough. So today, I'm so excited because I'm talking with my friend Kenya. She's a total boss who works for Kendo Brands as the Director of Diversity and Inclusivity, as well as the Global Education Content Director for Fenty Beauty, Marc Jacobs, and KVD Beauty. But what I love so much about her is her uplifting personality and positive mindset on life. We're diving deep into this one, sis. We're going in depth about our self-journey, childhood wounds on how they play out in our current day life, love, dating in SF, cancel culture, and just what type of relationships we want and so much more. Well, thank you, Kenya, for joining my episode. Honestly, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, So... Kenya, for those of you who don't know, I've known her for about a year now. She is literally such a boss babe. I mean, I could go on and on. Like, she's a director for Kendo Brands, you know, education for Fenty Beauty, and Marc Jacobs, KVD, the list goes on. So she's like major boss babe. So I'm so excited to have you on. And like, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, but I would love to kind of start about just like your journey with like maybe your career and like how you got to where you are today because a lot of my followers are really interested in like cosmetics and beauty and like I know you started at Sephora and now you're at Kendo Brands and if you don't know Kendo Brands it's like basically they manage all the top brands that you see at Sephora so like Fenty Skin, Fenty Beauty, Marc Jacobs, all of that they are the behind the scenes people that bring the brand to life so you just talk about a little bit about yourself and how you started. That would be great. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm happy to be here with you, Abby. I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, it all started with uh, seeing somebody with a big old bag of free stuff, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but I originally went to school to be an early childhood development major. And I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And that's all I'm going to do with my life. Uh, but I did makeup. And I did makeup basically because I did cheerleading. My mom was out working. She was a single mother and bless these beautiful, lovely women who were not of color mm -hmm. would try to do my makeup and I would look crazy. I actually looked so, very yeah. ashy. So I didn't take home any cheerleading pictures, no. any dance recital pictures. Oh my God. <laughs> I looked crazy. So that drove me to want to do makeup Yeah, because there wasn't you know, really anyone that knew how to do my makeup. So I studied at the mat counter, I call it. I would look at these beautiful yeah. women with you know, crazy smoked out eyes, super chap pink lips. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the lipstick people used to wear. Yeah. Um, but that's how I learned how to do makeup. But I was going with a friend to pick up some, you know, acne cleanser. Yeah. And we saw this girl. She was wearing like almost like a Star Trek outfit. It was all black and it was like zipped up to the top. And she had this huge bag. And she was walking out of this store called Safari or whatever it was <laughs> called. And it was right near the trolley. And I was like, 
was looking at this girl. She had her jacket on. Looked like she worked a hard day, but she had a huge bag full of mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, I'm nosy. So I was like, I went right up to them and was like, did you just shop in here? <laughs> and she was like, no, girl, this is gratis. And I said, what is gratis? And she told me, you know, they get it because they work there. So me being the hustler that I am was like, hmm, I'm spending all this money at Mm -hmm. Walgreens trying to supply (laughs) my kit, skincare, makeup. Why shouldn't I just start working at Sephora to fill my kit? And that's how I started. That's awesome. And also, (laughs) I can't even imagine like what the ladies, what they put like light, like light translucent power for like white women on your face or like they just didn't know how to. All of the above, Abby. So these are these sweet ladies, right? I'm the little poor child here on scholarship, (laughs) killing it, doing all the moves, doing everything I could. And but they would put, you know, a red that looked pink on my lips because Mm -hmm. at that time, inclusivity, diversity, having a myriad of shades wasn't a trend, right? Um, So yeah, so they would do, you know, powder. Um, I'd come out looking like a ghost. Oh my god, that's. That's crazy. But what, so what, cause obviously we're, we're friends. We follow each other on Instagram. So I know, you know, about you and everything, but what, like when we had first started like connecting and I first followed you on Instagram, we, we weren't, we knew each other, but we weren't like super mm-hmm. close to what race we have now. But I would always see you like posting these super like, just like positive things and like these little phrases or quotes like all the time. And I was like, this girl's mentality is just great. And like, I feel like one of the things that I'm really good at is like reading people and reading people's energy. And like, right when I met you, I was like, she has such beautiful, positive energy. (laughs) And like, even if like bad things are happening, you still had great energy. And like, I just, I want to know like, how did, how did you create that? Oh my goodness. Um, Well, first of all, I appreciate that, Abby. I've loved following you. And um, for me, it's always been about my faith, you know, Um, growing up low income, being poor, not knowing when your next meal was or would you be able to pay for this or that? Um, You know, I was really blessed to have a mom that no matter if we didn't have nothing, she always believed that God would take care of us. Mm -hmm. So she instilled that in me. And I think as I grew up, you know, I started to find myself in situations, you know, being badass little kid yeah. um, that somehow I would get out of. And when it would trip me out and like my mom would be like, see, you got to you got protection over you, girl. Mm-hmm. So you better start acting right. And I would crack up. But it's funny. Um, it's followed me. And so I've learned, um, you know, one of the things I practice is uh, meditation. Wow. So I believe the words, whatever you see, whatever you're reading, whatever you are listening to. Mm-hmm. That becomes what you are. That becomes who you become. That becomes what you start to Mm -hmm. talk like. So for me, I'm going to meditate on things that are lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is joyful, whatever is truthful. Because as I meditate, as I think on those words, that's who I'm going to become. That's who I'm going to think like and talk like. So meditation, gratitude, um, you know, being thankful Mm -hmm. for everything because, you know, not everyone has what we have or, and it's not even about the comparison really. It's just, it's such a blessing to be here in the now and to be able to feel and, 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 and be who we are today. And like, I always say people went before me so I could be here, Mm -hmm. you know? So I have to enjoy that. No. And I love that because I, I totally feel the same. Like 
I always say the people you surround yourself with are a mirror of your self-worth and what you think of yourself. And I really, especially with the pandemic, I feel like a ton of people have been doing so much self-reflection and that's kind of what like started my whole self-reflection journey. And I was like, okay, who do I want to hang around? Who, like, who am I really happy with? And like the, the course that I am, the manifestation course that I'm on, which is to be magnetic. I've talked about it in my first episode, but it's really like, it talks about how everything you interact with and how you like is a self-reflection of how you view yourself. So down to who you date, who you think you can get, your friends is all a mirror of your self-worth with it, which is, I think is so fascinating. And just to kind of talk about like the whole, like the pandemic and like you were saying your self-reflection journey, like when did you kind of start to really figure yourself out? And Man, um, I don't think there's one point that I like figured myself mm-hmm. out. I think it's definitely like a journey continuously. I think um, when I turned 17 and realized that like, although I was a uh, a minority amongst minorities, that I was pretty, right? I found that out. And I found that I did have something that was different mm-hmm. about me and unique. And I, so I grew to kind of have these, I almost ca- call them like when you get to peek through the glass or through the window and you see yourself in actuality, but you're not seeing the whole picture yet, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like that started then. And then um, when I turned 21, I had a, or before I turned 21, I kind of had this like mid, like before midlife crisis, mm-hmm. I had a crisis. And I was staying with a friend and my life was really codependent with them. And I was left in a really bad situation Mm -hmm. where I realized the people I was with didn't care about me. Mm -hmm. I also realized if I stayed with this friend group or these people, I wasn't going to become anything. And it was literally at that moment of almost like having anxiety, if you will, it kind of prompted me to say, you know what, you have to start launching yourself Mm -hmm. to where you want to be in the next five years. And through that, I started a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. And along that journey, I feel like I'm I'm still unraveling pieces of myself. Yeah. Because I believe, like you say, you're, you're religious. Are you Catholic Christian or um, non-denominational Christian. Okay. I would definitely say more so spiritual. I feel like we're all religious in a sense. Like yeah. brushing your teeth every morning and night. That's something you yeah. do religiously, right? Yeah. Um, so there's there's things, of course, I do. You know, to help my practice and my mental health, uh, but definitely more so spiritual. Yeah, I'm I'm for sure spiritual too because like I believe. I mean, I don't want to get on a tangent, but like I I don't know. I believe like God loves everyone and Absolutely. like you know we. We all have our issues, but at the end of the day, it's it's like it's not your it's not always like your fault. It's like how you were like where you were born mm-hmm, and everything, mm-hmm. you know. So I think at then it's like not your fault. Like you how you can't help if you were born in a bad situation Absolutely. and a bad upbringing. That's obviously going to affect the way mm-hmm. you you grow up. So I just like not to get on a tangent, but I just feel like. You know, everyone, like, God loves everyone, the universe, whatever. Like, whoever Mm -hmm. you pray to, that's your choice. But I don't believe anyone's, like, destined for hell or whatever. You know what I mean? No, no. I think we're along the same lines. I think part of my faith is what allows me to, I call it radical love, Mm -hmm. to be able to love my enemies, to be able to love others that have different views and things. And I think that, to me, is what faith is all about, loving someone else and loving others and living that out in your life. Yeah. And something else you said, I completely agree with, I don't think we have the choice about where we 
grew up or who are our parents or Mm -hmm. even our circumstances. I do believe that we have a choice in how we respond to them though, right? And, uh, but completely agree with you, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, I was just thinking like, you know, I mean, we're just going to dive right in. Like, Let's you know, go. <laughs> I mean, like everything that's been happening lately with like, you know, the police shootings, like yeah. of the, you know, black people, like, you know, for me, I'm super outspoken about that. And I'm like very, you know, support the black community and everything. But I'm trying to think like, had I not grown up in a liberal family? What yeah. if I was born in Mississippi or mm-hmm. Alabama? Would mm-hmm. I still be as as active as I am today? You yeah. know, and it's like. I want to say that like, oh, I'd find my way. But who knows? Like when you see families way deep in the South dressing babies up in the yeah, KKK mm-hmm, outfits, it's mm-hmm. like that's that shit is from birth. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's indoctrination. Yeah. So, I mean, I just yeah, it's it's it, that's the kind of like where my whole thing is like everyone has such a unique story and it's like you can't just judge someone just because they're so different from you it's like yeah because people aren't raised like you everyone's raised differently and has so many different you know the way they grow up but that's also what makes life so Mm -hmm. interesting is Mm -hmm. like everyone has a different story and like going back to the self journey everyone's on a different part of their self journey so like i'm on mine but my friends or people i know they're they could either be way farther ahead of me or way behind Mm -hmm, like everyone's mm -hmm. on their own self journey and it's like you just gotta respect that at the end of the day you know yeah no absolutely i like i think it's really i think something i appreciate about you is the fact of how reflective you are and the fact that um understanding you know, the privileges that we have with the families we've grown up in, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's something that, especially nowadays, as some people are just waking up to certain atrocities. I've had AAPI friends and family members that never realized how much historically, you know, that they've been persecuted, that Mm -hmm. are just now finding out, right? And um, through that journey, they're like, oh my God, we have more shared experiences than I've ever learned. Or we have a um, a shared journey by being marginalized, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, yeah. And, um, or like what you said, there's people that have only known certain, do- like, and I, and I say doctrination, but like known hate. Yeah. And they've been bred that in, um, you know, since they were younger. And I feel like the beautiful thing about now is with social media and with you know the internet and so much so much in technology we do all have this opportunity to grow and learn better right mm-hmm. like now is like one of the few times where it is a choice to yeah. stay in ignorance right yeah totally that's such a great way to put it too and i really feel like it's a lot as our generation is mm-hmm. really doing a lot of the changing and the self reflection and be like oh wait like i actually have a choice to change my mentality because like I'll talk to my parents or my aunts or like other people and they're Mm -hmm. just they're not on the same level you know because they grew up like that that whole like I mean like my dad grew up in the hippie area Uh but like other than that (laughs) it was it's not the whole like self-reflection and be in tune with your feelings is not a thing back then you know they weren't allowed to do that I mean I think Something that's cool is, you know, even looking at like the the children of the 60s, right? You know, produce the children of the 70s. Mm-hmm. The children of the 70s produce the children of the 80s yeah. and, and it like so on and so, so forth. And, you know, I like to believe that every generation is pushing itself forward. And I think the beautiful thing about us is we have the privilege of having all history 
you know, past mm-hmm. and and even developing our future right in the palm of our hands. Yeah. So the cool thing about, I think, this group is we are really challenging that narrative, right? Of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm-hmm. While yes, we're like, work hard, but there's also, you know, a ministry of rest, yeah. right? There's also time to stop and reflect and to think. And um, I think what's cool about us is like, we both said we're spiritual people, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a believer and I have faith and whatnot. And I can hold two things to be true. Like versus I think a lot of times in society before you couldn't believe this and do this, or you couldn't do this and believe this. And I think now we're allowing for other narratives to come Mm -hmm. into play and also realizing I can be sad and also joyful. Mm -hmm. You know, we're accepting both of those truths. Yeah. So, okay. After you said that, this is upon mine. So then what's your thought on cancel culture? So I think that every action has a response. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, growing up, you know, trying to be a teacher and learning in the school system, consequences are important to learning, Mm -hmm. right? I think that there has to be a consequence that is just to the action. I think there are certain behaviors that do have to be told that, no, we will not accept it, right? Mm -hmm. Because what that does is that's called training. Yeah. But also, I don't think you should cancel a person. I think you can cancel behavior and not the person. And what I mean by that is Kenya can be an amazing sister and a trash you know, director or boss. She can be a great director and a trash wife, right? Mm -hmm. And what that means is Kenya is not inherently bad, but there may be some behaviors, there may be some root issues that Kenya needs to recognize. Mm -hmm. If no one places boundaries or or lets Kenya know what she's doing, I'm talking to myself in third person and it's weird. No, um, I won't correct it, right? And sometimes that means shutting down something. Sometimes that means firing something. Sometimes that means taking away someone's platform. Mm -hmm. What that doesn't mean is that person is not allowed to change or grow. But I don't believe change and growth can happen without one, accountability, and without two, being honest Mm -hmm. about and and understanding what you've done. Mm -hmm. When someone is just canceled and we don't there, we just cancel them. There's no explanation. There's no conversation. There's no coming to terms with. I don't know if that's helpful because what it happens when we cancel people completely mm-hmm. and we isolate them and we don't talk to them, then their anger and hatred breeds more of that. Mm-hmm. And that's how we yeah. get, you know, crazies in the world. Yeah. No, totally. I totally believe in that. And I, and I also too, like, you know, you said people need to be held accountable and they have to want to change. And it's mm-hmm. like, but you have to, you know, you can't force people to change, mm-hmm. you know? So you can say, hey, this behavior you did or whatever, mm-hmm. that's not cool. And they can be like, okay, whatever. And then they have to take that and be like, okay, I'm either going to change or not. And I feel like a lot of the times when when I hit like rock bottom, that's when I Boom. that's when I changed the most that's when I like I grew the most mm-hmm. and I was like my whole outlook on life changed and it was like so liberating like I don't know if you know this so like I my freshman year of college I went to Penn State oh nice yeah so I so I you know I transferred to Santa Clara afterwards which I loved but my first year was at Penn State I wanted like out of high school, I wanted like super far mm-hmm. East Coast, big football <laughs> school, Big Ten. And I yeah. was like, I'm just going to like 40,000 students at this school, didn't know a single soul. And I was just, 
I was so out of like a senior in high school. I was so like naive. I just thought I knew everything as every like senior in high school person Mm -hmm. thinks. And then I went to college and I was like, oh, oh, big slap in the face. This is not, you know, what I thought. The people on the East Coast weren't as friendly and they were like, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you're from California. Like, what are you doing here? And like, I just had a a number of horrible experience that Mm -hmm, happened and mm -hmm. happened. And for the longest time, I was like, why is this happening to me? Like, I was so depressed and I was like, I just want to come home. But then like, I stuck it out because I knew like, okay, long game. I wanted to transfer. Like I knew right away this wasn't for me. Yeah. But, and I was like, I'm not gonna, I won't get into details, but I was like, I was, I, that was probably the lowest I've ever been in my entire Mm. life because it's like, 3,000 miles away from home. Yeah. Didn't know a single soul. I was way over my head. Like, it was just a culture shock, too, because I'm used to being in San Francisco, super city, and now I'm at Penn State, which is in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. like Amish people country with buggies. And I was like, what's happening? Um, But I, like, am now I'm, I look back and I'm like, I'm so thankful that happened because it totally changed my mentality. I questioned so many things Mm -hmm. that I thought I wanted or I like knew before. And I was like, what do I really, really want in life? And I just, um, obviously you don't realize it right then in the moment, but afterwards when you're out of that and you're like coming out of it, you're like, oh my God, like I, you know, you came through that and like, I'm such a different person. Like I grew so much. Um, but Mm. So I just think like when you're at your lowest, like people, like it's the hardest time of your life, but also know like, oh shit, you're doing so much growth right now, you know? No, I love that you say that. I think that being at your lowest is actually the key um, to growth. I think that there's a scripture that talks about endurance creates um, patience and patience breeds, you know, long suffering, long suffering. Like there's so many, I say all this and I'm misquoting the scripture, but I say all this to say there's so many good things that unfortunately we sometimes cannot receive until there is some sort of struggle, pain, and strife. And while I would love to say um, Every great thing I've went through had always come out of some amazing moment where Mm -hmm. I was skipping down the road, you know, picking daisies, but it actually wasn't that. It's always been through pain. And um, I agree with you. And I think that's a part of why we need cancel culture to a certain Mm -hmm. point, because I think there has to be boundaries. You know, you have to say at one point, hey, we don't accept this, Mm -hmm. right? But that gives the person an opportunity. It gives them choice. Either I'm going to reflect or I'm going to stay in my fixed mind and my fixed way of being and you know what I mean? And go down my own path, what what have you. But I agree with you. I think same thing with me, like having being at the bottom or my lowest was what made me say, like, I need to make a change. And I think we're, we're, at least for me, I feel like we're all on this earth for some reason. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you kind of got to find your purpose and it's not like, okay, you found it and then you're like good. And the same thing, it's like, there's no, the self journey isn't like, oh, I'm at a great place Mm -hmm. right now. So we're good. We're done. It's like, no, 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 this is on for the rest of your life, sis, you know? Uh Um, but I was like, okay, you know, you're on this place for a reason. And I'm just like, just, I feel like the whole point of your self journey is to really figure out that reason and uh i don't know i think it's super fascinating i'm really into like philosophical things yeah. and history but 
I want to transition into, you know, love and romance, the, the juicy stuff. The juicy stuff. Um, so there's this quote from the manifestation course that I'm doing. I They also have a podcast and I love listening to their podcast. And on the quote, it says, love is actually you both being on your own journey. You need to be on just together. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, yeah. but like how – like you too you don't believe that you just have one soulmate you could that there's multiple soulmates Mm -hmm. or that you can have a soulmate but that doesn't mean they're your romantic partner they could just be there for other reasons and for me for the longest time I because we always grow up with the movies the media Mm -hmm. saying when you when you have the one you'll know sparks will fly it's gonna be all good you just gotta wait for the one the prince but really it's like no sis like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't work out you know like love doesn't pay the bills always like you said and you'll you can talk about more like love yeah. is a choice yeah you said so you could just talk a little bit more about that yeah no I actually like the quote you talked about about being on your like both of you on your own journey right mm-hmm. but just together um love to me is definitely a choice um I don't I, I think there I've seen beautiful relationships that were arranged. I've seen horrible relationships that were arranged. Mm -hmm. I've seen amazing relationships that found each other. And I've seen horrible relationships that found each other. And I say all that to say that love is a choice. To me, love understands where your boundaries begin and mine end, right? Mm -hmm. Love always wants to seek the best for the other person as well as the best for themselves. And sometimes that means backing off. Sometimes that means allowing someone to figure out something Mm -hmm. on their own, right? And that's not what we're taught, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like if you just said you're the first thing you saw probably was like Cinderella, Snow Mm -hmm. White, whatever those things are. And all this about, you know, women getting rescued. Yep. I know. Or it's like, or the, this narrative of like, when you find the one, he's going to solve all your problems no. and he's going to heal you from within. It's like, no, sis, you got to do that yourself. You got to do your own self-reflection. Exactly. And, but then, cause I, obviously women, I, we're, we mature faster than men, you know? And I feel like elite, you know, it's portrayed that men are supposed to be tough and not talk about their feelings, not cry this and that. But then, so then it's like, how do we expect them to do self-reflection and self-journey and like be on this this journey with us if they're always taught, oh, don't don't be vulnerable, don't be mm-hmm. sentimental like Absolutely. Drake. You know what I mean? Toxic like, masculinity. Exactly. No, I love that you brought that up. Because um, then how are relationships supposed to last? How are they last if one's being taught one thing and one's not being yeah, taught the, the other? The exact opposite, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? I remember um, my brother... And my father, I was talking to them and my dad taught me about his first experience with, you know, Mm -hmm. with a woman and how different it was. Right. And mind you, they grew up, he grew up in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So, you know, his experience, I'm not going to talk about it on the show, (laughs) um, but was, you know, his family setting him up in a certain way. But when he would hear what his father was saying to the girls, it was very different. So, you know. We're teaching men to be these conquerors, if you will, Mm -hmm. of others. We're teaching them to not be vulnerable. We're teaching them to do all these things to push their feelings to the side. We're also teaching them, you know, and and love is love, do your thing, to not necessarily be faithful, 
have mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. But what am I saying to my daughters? And I'm not saying me, but I hear, right. you know, wait till you find the right one. You know, I'll don't let any boy come up here. Yeah. And so you're teaching this man to be a player, to be yeah. toxic, to do all these things. And then you're teaching this girl to be fearful, to look mm-hmm. for a man to complete her. And also telling her that everything's tied around her having a man. Everything's mm-hmm. tied around her having this baby with this guy or getting married. Mm-hmm. Now, none of those things are bad. Right. But when you're teaching women that that is all they can mm-hmm. amount to, or that's the journey, right? You're also giving them this false narrative that number one, it's going to be hard to create perfection. It, you can't create a perfect mm-hmm. relationship. You can't pre- create, you know, a life that is going to be this linear journey mm-hmm. and it's going to hit all these milestones. So then you have women that I find it's almost like you figure out who you are and then you have this, like you could turn 27 or 26 or you go into your 30s and then you almost have to figure out who you are again, depending if you've hit those milestones. Mm-hmm. And I know people that have hit those milestones and still are not satisfied. Exactly. That's it. And it's like, for the longest time, too, I, I remember in high school, I was like, oh, I want to be, like, engaged at 25 because at mm-hmm. 27, I'm like, I'm going to be 25 in two years. There's no way in hell I'm getting married in two years. But also, too, it's like, well, we, I mean, you never know what's, you know. But still, but yeah. Still, but also, too, is then I feel like that just creates, you know, what women are taught, so much codependency issues. Oh, my God, yeah. It's like, and also, too, God forbid, like, men can go and – sleep with as many women as they want but god forbid a woman like has two guys she's talking to it's like she's a hoe like come on like Like you lied to me yeah or like (laughs) you know i mean i am i'm planning on doing a whole episode on sugar daddies and everything but i'm just like like (laughs) hey let me know about that one yeah yeah, yeah. like you like you do you boo like if you want a sugar daddy and you want someone to buy you all this stuff Mm-hmm. go ahead if you want to be the independent yeah. woman and you want to buy everything yourself go ahead like i don't like i don't care like i just support women like do yeah. what makes you feel good you know i believe in understanding your root right mm-hmm. so what i mean by that is everything is permissible but not everything is expedient to what you want right mm-hmm. so there was one time in my life that i wanted stability and i believed i was going to get that in a relationship so I was searching after a man with certain means, mm-hmm. right? I was searching with certain types of situations, right? Um, but I wasn't finding that peace. I wasn't finding that stability. So for me, no. although I could definitely go for that sugar daddy and whatnot, that wasn't helpful to me mm-hmm. because really what I was looking for is that almost like someone to protect me or do something I didn't receive from my father. Mm -hmm. I was looking for something that can only come from myself, right? And um, so for me, it wasn't permissible, but I have other girls that were doing it. And more so it was from a, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying Mm -hmm. this. And it wasn't that deep. So I say all that to say like, for me, do what you need to do, but always reflect on the why. Because you'll find, I, I found out, especially like as a woman, a single woman dating, you know, whatnot, a lot of what I'm doing or I think is like me doing me, mm-hmm. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T, all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Sometimes it's really me fighting either what I've grown up with or the doctor things that have been told to me, or it's me trying to distract myself from the truth. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. It's true. Yeah. Well, well, that brings it to a great point is like, from this course, there's two things that I really learned, and it's that it's called Inner Child and Unblocked Shadow. Woo! 
go ahead, girl. We're so let's speak on it, Abby. Okay. <laughs> so the which is so true because so this I mean it's it's like gross to like say but let's it's like low key true is like women they like they low key end up marrying like their father absolutely you know and it's so true because it's like your inner child so basically in the course the Lacey who developed it she says mm-hmm. you know your inner child is basically well i have it written down because i like lose my mind when i'm about to explain things like how your childhood traumas affect your relationships mm-hmm. both your friendships and your romantic relationships and whether it's like you you know your parents fought all the well. time as a kid or like one of your parents wasn't in the picture or whoever your caretaker was they they maybe they were not you know physically or or emotionally yep not there for you you know all that and it's like all that it, it's just crazy how your childhood that's what and that's where you do so much development literally well, like all the bad shit that happens in your childhood carries with you for Absolutely. the rest of your life, which is crazy. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, um, I like that you spoke on this. So part of the reason I was so um, interested in early childhood development and early childhood psychology was because I wanted to unwrap the layers of the why, right? Mm-hmm. Why was I feeling the way I felt? Why did I have these preconceived notions that no one really liked me. Like why? Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I find that I've been doing a lot of, um, what do they call it? Inner parenting Mm -hmm. or reparenting your inner child. Um, because it stays with you, everything that you go Mm -hmm. through. Um, you know, and part of the things that I've learned about myself, um, I've always been fiercely independent. Mm -hmm. You know, my brother, my oldest brother, he's on the spectrum. My sister, after that, my older sister, four years older than me, um, she had dyslexia at a time that that wasn't common, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have a sister that's two years younger than me, and then another one that's about 11 years younger than me. And I'm this middle child, uh, you know, with there's a lot of kids, a Mm -hmm. lot going on. My mom and dad decided to come from the Midwest to San Francisco to start this new life to really be able to breathe these new things into their children. And while I was thankful for that, you know, I grew up with a, a a mom that had been adopted throughout her family. She had seen abuse at a very mm-hmm. early age. Her mom would escape, you know, for mm-hmm. months on end. So she was neglected, yeah. right? And then my dad grew up with this very smart, intelligent father who was a hustler, mm-hmm. you know, and had a lot of different fronts and things going on. But his father was always chasing after something else. And so my dad was the oldest. So he, you know, learned a lot of, you know, things that he had to do Mm -hmm. to be the man he was, especially as a man of color growing up in that time. And so I learned at an early age that vulnerability wasn't safe. I learned at an early age that I didn't want to end up like my mom because I never wanted to marry someone or be dependent on someone that could hurt me. So what that did was, while Kenya, everybody's like, wow, she's so independent. She's so mature. But what that did was make Kenya so careful in everything that she would do, you know, or Mm -hmm. anxious or what that also did is it made it hard for people to support me. So when I finally found that partner or those people, those Mm -hmm. friends that wanted to be there for Kenya, Kenya couldn't even answer that question. And that's, oh, that's such a, I'm so glad you spoke on that because then she talks about your 
unblock shadow, uh-huh. which is basically exactly what you said. It's like you're so independent because at a young age you said vulnerability, that's that's not okay. Absolutely. So not. now mm-hmm. when people are like, oh, Kenya, let me help you. Let me support you. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> at a young age I was taught that's not okay. Absolutely. Like, you know, and, and it's like, it just follows you throughout mm-hmm. your whole life. For yeah. so many people, it's so scary, right? Because we all have childhood win- wounds. Like, yeah. we all have real shit that happened to us. But, and it's scary. It's like our subconscious literally hides it from us, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. it's it's true. It's like, if we bring it up, it can cause actual real new pain. Trauma too. Yeah, new trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But it's, so it's like, it's, it's actually, I love the like mind body connection yes. because when I was um again tangent but that's what we love no, to do do you think when I was at my freshman year at Penn State I was a lot more depressed than I thought I was and mm. I didn't I did I mean I was depressed but I I started to I wasn't I didn't click until I started to see physical effects. Mm. I, I like I had acne all over my face. I did I and I never was someone who had bad skin or bad yeah. acne like in high school, but it was like cystic, like I had to go on Accutane because I had so much stress wow. built up that my body couldn't hold it in. So it was like, I gotta release it somehow and you're not doing any releasing on your own. And I mean obviously I, you know, gained like twenty pounds because mm-hmm. I like ate my sorrows and everything but it it was it's so fascinating how like your your body your your mind and your body protect you absolutely and like they hide deep down those things that you don't want to bring up but it's like it's so it's so crucial to like your your self-growth and self-reflection you know no i actually um I love that you brought this up and I love that you were able to see that within yourself because i feel like feel like a lot of times your body is trying to almost give you like clues Mm -hmm. that something's going on, that something's wrong. I remember um, I was working at a store and I was completely depressed, right? Like the, I went, got promoted into this place, um, was very, very young at the time, literally, you know, was going through it. I had so many people die within a matter of months and I gained like 60 pounds in six months and I wasn't even eating crazy and I wasn't doing my hair. I wasn't like myself. I wasn't myself and I felt so ugly. And, but to me, once again, that fighter, don't admit you, you hurting. Mm -hmm. Don't admit that you're going through things. And when it just kept going And it wasn't until, um, you know, someone came to me and they were like, what's going on? And even then, you know, Mm -hmm. wall up, not wanting to think, but I had to, I had to recognize it. But I know what you mean about how we hide things from ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like that way we protect ourselves. Um, But at the same time, what if you would have asked yourself like, hold on, let me take a, let me take some self inventory here. Mm -hmm. Let me, it's not failure to go home. It's not failure to stop, right? It's not, this is just another piece of Mm -hmm. the journey, right? Yeah, totally. And like one of my first guests on my first episode, she talks about how she views life as a book. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I I was like, oh, that's such a beautiful way to look at life is like you have different chapters. And if you read any book, it's never like this. It's always like, hell no. And then downs and ups. And it's like, it's so true. It's because it's like, for me, when I stopped viewing life as I need to hit this certain goal at this yeah. point, I need to whatever, 
And and it happened because I would say those things and then they didn't happen and I'd be mm-hmm. so sad. But then a year later, I'd be like, well, thank God that didn't happen because, you know, yeah. like this thing happened instead. And it really was just like God being like, I got you, girl. You just got to trust Absolutely. me. You know? Ooh, trust the process. Yes. Girl, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. That's not facts. It definitely is about trusting the process. I remember um, my mom got hit by a car, right? When I was like fresh out of college and, or fresh out of high school, so excuse me, Mm -hmm. freshman year of college. And I was like, I wasn't close to my mom growing up, but she got hit by, you know, car walking out of the bank. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to stay home. We got to do all these things, you know, young person, selfish. And it was a blessing because it taught me how precious life was, right? And in addition to that, we all got closer. Mm-hmm. I remember I was kicked out the house at 16, right? So going back to take care of my mom, that wasn't something I ever thought would happen. Mm-hmm. But it was a blessing because we all came close together. And it was interesting, not too long, like I think two years after that accident, my little sister went to college and we were able to do that all together as a family. Yeah. But even though that was a painful experience for my mm-hmm. mom specifically, and it was something that we as a family never wanted to go through, yeah. it brought us closer together and it was a mm-hmm. blessing. And I also just will say, I feel like a lot of times we get blocked from what for what's not meant for us. And yeah. I think that's such a blessing that at least I've been able to, you know, mm-hmm. have in my own life, especially with some relationships. You be over here crying over some f boy life, right? and then you look down the road like, oh my oh, gosh, thank God, I know, right? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. There was this. I oh, forget the exact quote, but it was like, no matter how hard you try, what's like not meant for you is not going to happen. And like, no matter how hard you try, what's meant for you is going to happen. Absolutely. You know, so you can be so stuck on this is going to happen, but. It's like you just you got to roll with the punches. And like when you accept that, like this might not happen, it's so liberating. I'm like, I'm you know, I mean, I'm working hard towards my goals and what I want. And I have a clear idea of what I want. But if six months, a year down, something else happens, I'm like, okay, let's see what let's see what happens. You know, I mean, no one would have obviously predicted the pandemic, but it's like when I was this, you know, senior in college, like last year, I mean, I was like, I'm going right into the workforce, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. do the workforce, that whole thing. And now, now I'm getting my master's. I'm not, I don't currently have a job, but it's like, who would have thought maybe I would have never started my podcast or maybe I would have never gotten closer to the friends who I'm so close with right now because mm-hmm. we would have all been working, doing our own mm-hmm. thing, you know, or so it's just, it's just interesting that, you know, whole thing. And you're able to do a lot during this time that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to. Exactly. Like, because you have this time to really think and process what mm-hmm. do you want? Because once you go into whatever you're into, you know what I mean? You locked in for a little bit. Yeah. So um, I definitely agree on that. Like, being like, in, I think setting intentions, having goals, but allowing that part, that magical part of life to happen. Mm-hmm. And being flexible enough to bend with it, for sure. Yeah. No, totally. And so I just discovered this today before we were talking, but we both love Middle Eastern men. (laughs) I just love that they're so bougie and they drive nice cars and they know how to treat a woman and they're sexy. Um, All my friends know I'm I'm obsessed with Habibis. I'm just like, (laughs) fly me to Dubai. I'll be good. But okay, so... What are I want? I'm curious. What are some of your like qualities that you want in a guy? And then also, 
Uh, do you agree dating in San Francisco sucks? It's like the worst. <laughs> I think it is. Um, What do you think? So I'll start with the last question okay. first. <laughs> dating in San Francisco has been interesting. I can't say it sucked for me mm-hmm. because when I was dating, I'm not, I can't say I'm actively dating now, mm-hmm. but when I was dating, it was... It was cool. I would always have good dates, but mm-hmm. it was it was during a time where we were still having a lot of people come in and travel. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what kind of allowed me to kind of feel good about it. Um, but I will say David in San Francisco is interesting because I think you find people that either want to be comfortable super quickly because maybe that's just the nature of San Francisco. And it's kind of like, can mm. we actually like, you know, I want to be uh, not what's the word courted. I want to be pursued. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of people too. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of people that aren't traditional in that sense. And I think nothing's wrong with either, but Mm -hmm. for me, I wanted to be courted. So I think it's harder to find that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then because I because th- the tech guys they just yes. think like everybody I got the money like boo you is not Michael Jordan chill exactly exactly though you ain't J Cole okay okay J Cole right <laughs> um and then as far as like character or val- like values I want in my man I think number one for me is just like having something that he's accountable other than his you know his job mm-hmm. something bigger than himself because. I think when someone has values that they live by, no matter what you believe or what you're doing, they're going to come right back to that. So if somebody mm-hmm. has a values of treating others the way they should be treated, their conscious is going to mm-hmm. correct them. So that they'll bring that value yeah. into the relationship. So that's one thing. I think a second thing for me is the value of family. Um, I've, you know, I'm kind of like the glue for my family. So I have to be with someone that understands how important family is. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a lot of times, both of those characteristics I've found in, you know, men of Middle Eastern descent Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So those are things that I find that I'm attracted to. And I think the third thing, um, would have to be it like, you know, um, well, this is going to be two. I'll say one, empathy, like mm-hmm, compassion totally. for others. And then the fourth would be um, having, you know, looking at life with joy, right? There's so many things we can be serious mm-hmm. about. And although I love the man that is driven and that can do what he needs to do, it's really important that you, I love to laugh and be silly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, life is tough. Like if we sit here, yeah. everything's always serious. I'm going to sit here and be like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like someone that has that joy for life is key. Yeah. What about you? Oh my god! I mean, I have like a uh, actually. I think my list is like sixty something. Oh my <laughs> no. god! No, um, give us the top ten. I know, right? <laughs> well, no, I like the first point that you brought up because how you say like some people right away, at least in here, they want to like be super close, and like I've seen that in some friends. Like yeah. the second they start dating, they're like super close. They're like, I'm like, mm-hmm. but for me, and this stems back to like my self-reflection, my childhood, I don't know why. I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I have really bad trust issues. Like I don't trust mm-hmm. anyone and it, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know why. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. So when someone, if I'm like on a date with someone and after like the second or third date, like, hey babe, this and that, I'm like, hold up. Don't call me babe. Like we just met. Like you don't actually know me. We haven't even had a deep conversation <laughs> yet. Like I, d- I mean, I I'm very picky, so I haven't done a ton of dating. But I'm just I'm curious to see how I'll be like when I yeah. meet someone I like because I'm so like it takes a long time. Are you guarded for me? yes, so guarded. <laughs> I'm like an onion. It takes a really long time for me to be like. Mm, okay, you're cool. And I need that like vulnerability from him to be like, 
to talk to me about deep things. That's how I build trust is when I have deep conversations with people Mm -hmm. that I know like they wouldn't go out and just tell anyone this or like for me, like my love language is gifts and acts of service because I think anyone could just tell me they love me, but in the back of my head because of my trust issues, I'm like, but how do I know? Yeah. And I'm like, I know if you're willing to go out of your way to do something for me or willing to spend your hard-earned money on me. Absolutely. Proving to me that you love me. So for me, I'm like, when I see like after like the second or third day, people are like calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend. Like I have some friends who like that and like that's totally fine, like good for them, but I can't. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh God, no. And actually I was listening um, to, uh, I think, Jada and Will Smith, they did a uh, mm-hmm. a thing together and they were talking about how they were in therapy and the therapist was like, how long have you guys known each other? And they were saying like, she, they think they said like 10 or 15 years. And she's like, you guys are just starting to get yeah. to know each other. And yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> I love that you brought that up. So um, something that um, I've been recently talking to, we were talking, I was talking to my sister about, right? And she's in a relationship right now. And this is like, you know, shout out to Nunu, you know, get her album. But um, she is in a very healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And she is talking now about like, now that this is, I'm with the healthy guy, mm-hmm. we're doing, we're trying to do things good. There's boundaries. Now I'm realizing I got some stuff going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny that you say just getting to know each other with the Will Smith thing because one of the things I could relate to her on in my own relationship is that idea that you have to stay curious about each other. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, going back to childhood, we bring in our childhood traumas mm-hmm. into relationships. I remember there was one time with my ex and we were together for a multitude of years. I was so irritated with him. Mind you, he had done nothing wrong. <laughs> And I was dealing with a lot at work. And the real issue is I wanted him to take away the stress and all mm-hmm. these burdens and things. And the reality is, even if he could do that, would I, would I still be irritated? And I probably would mm-hmm. be, right? Because the onus was on me. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know... I assumed in the way he was acting with me, like looking for every little thing to project on him. So I say all that to say, you know, people are like layers, right? We're constantly understanding mm-hmm. each other. And even when we think we know someone for a long time, we can never assume someone's an intent. Yeah. So it's super important, I think, to stay curious and to um, date to understand. And I love that you said like about your love languages. I can relate to that too, because acts of service or gifts and things like that, you know, you always know what someone believes in Mm -hmm. by the way that they invest in Mm -hmm. it. Totally. No, I I know. That's why I'm like, for me, I mean, I need them all. I need all (laughs) the love language. Give me all the love language. some more than others, you know? Um, No, totally. And that's the kind of thing we talked about is like, that's why at the end of the day, like you got to love yourself because no one's going to love you exactly Absolutely. how you want them to love you. And no one's going to read your mind. So you, if you are like, you're not satisfying this for me, you got to tell that Ooh, person. And that's like that. hard to do, you know? But it's like, I mean, that's, you know, that's just, that's what you got to do. I'm curious. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. So you said like uh, when you date, it takes you a while to trust. Like mm-hmm. how does a guy know when you like them? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> what's something like you find yourself doing or saying? Or you know like, what's, what's so something? funny is I'm such 
like my I'm such a contradiction with everything because <laughs> I it's it's the weirdest thing and I really truly don't like whoever I end up with or whatever like he's probably going to be incredible I don't know because I say like because I want a man who's vulnerable I think vulnerability is sexy uh-huh. but I want a man who's also very masculine and uh-huh. very like in control like babe I made like I made dinner reservations. You just go get ready. That's all I want you to worry about, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But at the end of the night, I want him to tell me like the stuff from his childhood that like you know he was hurt by and like get deep. And then it's like at the same time, I want him to fly me in like nice vacations and buy me mm-hmm. nice things. But also want him to understand like he better not expect me to be a stay at home mom because I'm gonna be independent as well. So I'm all of this. I want this, but I also want this. And I'm like. I don't know how it's going to work out. It's some things I still got to figure out, but it's like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so, and I don't, I don't, I mean, there was like, I'm not going to, we're not going to bring up uh, names or anything, but like what we were talking about earlier, that one guy that I was really uh-huh. into, like, you know, I, uh, I don't know. I tend, like I, I, op- I'll open the door yeah, and let the person know I'm interested, but then they got to mm-hmm. do the rest, you know? And I, I opened the door, but he didn't. He didn't walk through. He didn't walk through. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think when he'll know I'm I really like him is when I tell him. Okay. <laughs> I really like okay. It. <laughs> I think that will be it. Or acts of service. Like if yeah. I get him gifts or like I'm all about like, you know, I this is what I've said all along. Like the man that I'm really, really like, I want to buy him like a Tom Ford suit or some Ooh. really nice sexy suit like well go yeah. and get a tailor I love a man who knows how to wear a yes. tailored suit especially the navy suits mm, mm-hmm. chef's kiss uh. um yeah I guess because my because my love language is I'm acts of service and gifts yeah. but I also need the exact same in mm. return so if I start showing up with random gifts I guess he knows uh, what he, it he's is he's got me he's got me <laughs> you know I love it. Okay, Tom Ford tailored suit. Yes, you know? come through. But then he, you know, that's after he's bought me some Louis, some uh, Fendi. <laughs> it goes some, back and you forth. Know, it right? goes it back has to be mutual. Forth. I feel exactly. that. I feel and that. like, I love to. Um, yeah, it's just like I feel like very caring. Like I'm very caring. Like, like I love to cook for people. I love mm-hmm. to entertain and do all that stuff. So you're very hospitable. Like I will say Thanks. that. Like you. Like even like, I think with like the way you list everything you want. You even in the like the short time that we've known each other, you're very conscientious. You're, you know, I remember getting that gift that I got from you. Like you didn't know this, but that was such a hard time for me. And you do these like little things that like I don't, you know, I don't ask for that. Like I don't think nobody thinks like, oh, I need someone to show me that they care about me. But you do that naturally, and I think that's something that's really beautiful about you. So I'm excited to see when you're in love and to see what you do then because it'll be something crazy. I know. I'll be like, Kenya, he's flying me out to Dubai tomorrow. I'm like, what you do? (laughs) I'm like, come with. We'll find you a hot baby too. (laughs) I love it. So funny. Um, No, honestly, thank you, Kenya, so much for talking about this stuff. This was so good. This was so fun to do. Um, and Kenny and I were going to record a second part of the episode, which will be out next week. Um, and this is super important. We're going to be talking about how white women and women not of color can support, you know, black women in the workforce, especially because I think financial independence is key. But we're going to get into that next week. So definitely stay tuned. And Kenya, thank you so much. This was such like a great and like I just the 
the the aura of this podcast, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's so positive and good. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. Perfect. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And be sure to subscribe to my podcast. And please rate and review because it literally would mean so much to me. Um, it really helps me out with the ratings. Um, it does not go unnoticed or unappreciated. Um, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Real Talk with Abby to stay up to date on all the latest podcast episodes. See you next week. Bye.